Sanctuary. It's just a wish away at the Lincoln Wish Event. Right now at Jim K. Lincoln, receive a $2,000 winter bonus on the 2022 Lincoln Corsair or 2022 Lincoln Nautilus. Or add Sanctuary to your list by ordering a 2023 Lincoln model. Contact Jim K. Lincoln before it's too late and make that wish of yours a reality. For more details, visit Jim K. Lincoln in Orleans or jimklincoln.com. This is Ryan. Ryan would love to start his own podcast as a fun way to create content for all his platforms, to better connect with his customers, and build a new audience. But Ryan isn't great with technology, and he has a lot of questions. What's the easiest way to record a high-quality podcast? What equipment will he need? How does he get his podcast online? Capital Podcast had all of Ryan's answers. Easy, convenient, professional. Contact us today and star in your own show with CapitalPodcast.ca. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation Podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our program. It is the Sends Nation Podcast, and it is brought to you by our friends at Jim K. Ford. It's Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy, and loads to talk about here today on the show. And we're saying off the air, Greg, timing is everything. I think the tone of this particular episode, because of course we had the Columbus game Saturday and everything was right with the world, a five-game win streak and they beat Columbus and Jacob Chikrin, you know, it's a conquering hero coming, a big game and then they have the game in Chicago and the five-game losing slide ends with a thud. So just from a timing perspective, it's the Hawks game that happened a few hours ago, so that's probably <laughs> going to color the uh, tone of this particular episode, but it is what it is. How are things with you today, Greg? <sighs> I just, I don't know how I feel about that game last night, Stephen. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and thinking, you know, that's, that's an opportunity, obviously. It's a big game. It's a game yeah. you have to win. It's second worst team in the league, and then you come out and lose like that. But then when you dig a little deeper and you look into it differently, it, it, it just, everything seemed to come together in, in conspiring against them. Yeah. All, you know, all, all their mistakes ended up in their own net. You had the, the Shabbat giveaway, the, the Debrinket giveaway, both in the zone. You had that turnover at the blue line on the Pinto play. And you, you, you came out of the first period out shooting them 12 to three and you're down one, nothing. And at one point early in the second, I think the shots on net were Chicago had seven, yet they were down. Ottawa's down three nothing. So is it is it that they weren't ready to play, or is it that just things came together and they couldn't seem to make anything work? They couldn't score. Power play didn't do anything. They just couldn't bury their chances, and it seemed any little mistake they made ended up in their own net. Yada yada yada. I don't know how I feel. Like, what, what are you thinking? Well, I'm discouraged for sure. I mean, I had such a spring in my step after the win on Saturday night where everything was great. I went to the game with a bunch of old high school buddies. We had a suite. We had a fantastic night. It was great to see Jacob Chikrin as embraced as he was by the fan base. And, you know, just five straight wins. And it, it looked like, you know, maybe they're going to take a real shot at this thing. And you know, you have 20 games to go, Greg, and I didn't expect them to win all 20, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Uh, right. But I didn't, I figured they'd, you know, even in the losses, they'd have a good account of themselves. And I just can't even fathom, you know, all the things that had to go wrong, both in 
the bounces and the injury to Talbot right before game time and having to put the rookie in at the last second. But, uh, you know, in the preparations as well, just your mental headspace, everything had to just go wrong for that, that to happen. And it's just discouraging, quite uniquely discouraging, you know, not just to lose a game, because like I said, you're not going to win them all. Even the Bruins are losing hockey games this year. It's the way you lose and to a team like that in the state they're in. They haven't been trying to win all season, going right back to the Debrinket deal. They With the Debrinket deal, they told the world that, yeah, we're rebuilding. We're taking on assets. We're blowing out guys. And then, you know, Patrick Kane dealt last week to the Rangers. So they didn't let up. And uh, and and you can't, you can't lose to a team like that in that Twice. manner. In that manner, though, like last, you know, yeah. that, that game, you know, three weeks ago, that was an overtime loss, took their foot off the pedal near the end of the game. Um, but to lose five, nothing to the Chicago Blackhawks, regardless of circumstances, that's one I'll be interested to see how they respond to that. Obviously, all you can do is crumple it up, throw it over your shoulder and get ready for Seattle on Thursday night. But that's a kind of a tough way to lose, not just losing, but the way they end up losing to that team. You know what though? That can be the motivation though. You can you can lose a close one and come out of it with a feeling of frustration, you know, where where that affects your motivation for the next game or you can get hammered by the second worst team in the league and that will motivate you in a totally different way for the next game. That may be the only positive out of this is you know, what is it? You uh, you learn lessons from losing, right? So maybe yeah, they've learned for sure. a lesson. But, like, I agree with you. I didn't expect them to win every game down the stretch, but th- this little stretch they're on now was Chicago. Okay, you should win that. Going into Seattle, yeah, they're a playoff team, and they're a much better team than they've been, obviously, the last couple of years. But if you're on a streak and you're playing well, that's a game you could win. Then they go to Vancouver, or you'd certainly better be able to beat Vancouver. And then it's Calgary. You better be able to beat Calgary. That's a nice little stretch. There could be a lot worse for a Western road trip. Um, The games next week that are going to be the killer. So it was like, this was, you you really, I can't help thinking this is the one they're going to look back on at the end of the year and say, you know, we lost to Chicago twice. I had, okay, fine. One was in overtime, but that third period was inexcusable to lose that game that you lost to Chicago twice. It just, it, it, it can't happen. A playoff team, well, the Leafs are a playoff team and they lose to crappy teams, but the, you, the Ottawa centers can't afford to. Here's DJ Smith after the game, and he took some of the blame saying they weren't ready. And we, we talked about this off the air that uh, that's been an ongoing thing that uh, DJ Smith says we weren't ready and that's on me. This is what DJ Smith had to say. Odd man rushes that we gave up. It was just, it was everything that we hadn't done in the previous five games we did tonight and um, you know it's, it's tough to explain um, how well we've played to come out and do this um, but you got to turn the page quickly almost flush it right get it out of your system and if it's an early road trip or it's early in the road trip yeah I mean we were feeling so good playing at home and 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 then to come out here and just no rhythm no feel um, you know, team wasn't prepared. You know, that's on me. My job is to get them prepared and push them every day. And we weren't ready to play today. So there's DJ Smith, uh, obviously a frustrated coach after that game. And and I, and I think he's right. I, I do think they weren't prepared for that game because honestly, how loose they were. You know, I know, I know it's sometimes the mistakes of youth. You get a little rowdy. You get a little stat focused. You're a heavy favorite in the game. 
you go out and play a little pond hockey and then that's what kids sometimes do but i mean you just lost your only nhl goalie very close to game time mad sogard surprisingly has to go in to me a coach is bringing out the whip before that game to say yeah it's chicago ladies and gentlemen but you know you got you got you got to insulate our kid here you know i I was shocked at how loose they were, particularly they played so well lately, but they also get the wake-up call of losing their only NHL caliber goalie right before game time. Normally, you'd think you would, you know, batten down the hatches, for lack of a better phrase, and, and protect the kid and insulate the kid. They left him out there to dry. It was ridiculous. Just one odd man rush after another. And the first 20 minutes should have served as a pretty good wake-up call, too. Like, Agreed. guys, we, we don't have it tonight. We don't look good. We need to bear down. Um, fortunately, it's only one nothing. We only gave up three shots. But, you know, let's let's get going here. And it just never seemed to get going. They, they, they did have opportunities. They had a couple posts. It was just, I, I don't know what it was. It just, it was weird. And, and uh, to go back to your original point here, should the coach really be required to get his team up like if you've won five in a row you're back in a playoff race for the first time in a, like seems like a decade it, to, does the coach really need to get you motivated like come on fellas whether yeah. you're young or old I don't care you're professionals you need to be ready to play yeah I mean I, I'm not even talking about energy I'm talking about like you know making sure that you take Tactical, care of the details yeah. and that's what, and uh just on the circumstances of losing Talbot so late in the game and uh I don't know. I mean, Sogard looked pretty leaky, but at the same time, he's still just getting used to being a starter in the NHL. And mm. you and you've seen him in the pregame, like he's out there prior to the game doing what a lot of goalies do, kind of visualizing the next sixty minutes ahead. Uh, so he's just used to getting, you know, sort of acclimatizing himself to the NHL. Period. Uh, under regular circumstances, he's certainly not used to being thrown to the wolves at the last second like that. So it's. It's certainly not ideal from his perspective, but uh, I mean, that was a leaky goalie and that was a team that was not helping the kid out at all. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's a question then. What, how does this affect your confidence moving forward? Like here they are, you wanted to play meaningful games and you looked more like the team that you looked more like an October game <laughs> in the past couple of years. Right. But I mean, they, they got themselves into this race. And like I just said, they got Chicago, Seattle, Vancouver, Calgary here. Next week gets even tougher. Next week is uh, Edmonton, Toronto, Tampa, New Jersey, and I want to say they got the Bruins again. I think they had the Bruins again. Okay, that's not easy. Can it be done? Will it be done? Or are they really just this team that wins two, loses two, and in this case they happen to win five, and now they're going to lose five? You know, like like what do you how are you feeling? Well, it's one game, and it just—it was so uniquely bad. It's hard not to be a little discouraged because I thought they turned a corner. Where okay, you're going to lose some games, but you're going to give a good account of yourself at this stage of the season, and, and to come out as a train wreck like they were in that game—that was somewhat discouraging. I'd probably give a better answer after the Seattle game Thursday. I, I do think that if you can visualize in your mind where Brady Kachuk was at the end of that game, um, going bonkers wanting anybody once again as we saw in the Detroit game he's like who wants it it's amazing how endearing that looks like when you're trampling the other team who wants it uh, when you're doing it and you're losing five nothing it doesn't have quite the same effect but when the referees 
hold, or the linesman's holding back Brady Kachuk as he wants to try and get it. Alex Stalock, that anger that he has there, wanting to get it at the other team. I'm hoping that is the Ottawa Senators that come out against Seattle on Thursday night, remembering you know so recently what they felt like in that Chicago game and not wanting to repeat that again. Go out and do the right things, prepare the right way, um, do the right things without the puck, and and finish your chances. So I'll feel I'll have a better answer on Thursday night. But if I have to answer it here and now, um, I'm yes. not going. I'm not going to um, <laughs> set aside how encouraged I've been over the last month based on one absolutely nightmarish clunker in Chicago. Uh, got a tweet here, and I'm probably going down this road as far as uh, the tweeter goes. Uh, at Jimmy Jammin writes, the Senators are so young, so it makes sense that with so many young guys, they're going to have these kinds of lapses and breakdowns. I'm confident that they'll find their game and become a far more dominant team over the next couple of years, and I will never count them out. Hashtag who wants it? Go Sens, go. And I think that's that's really the only way you can look at it if you're a Sens fan. Otherwise, you're going to go, oh, my God, are they, have they really turned a corner? Because I... <laughs> That's the reality. You're young. You're going to, is that to me, they looked like a team that went out on, on uh, Monday night in Chicago and thought, okay, it's going to be easy. And we're going to go get some stats. The way the forwards weren't supporting the way the D was pinching up in bad places and all the odd man rushes. They just weren't focused on balanced hockey in that game. And hopefully they will be in Seattle on Thursday. Well, it remains to be seen, right? I just, uh, you look at it in the, in the bigger picture, the teams in and around them in the playoff race, really, I'd say Detroit and Washington got worse. Uh, Pittsburgh, Buffalo made small additions. Um, you know, Florida didn't do a damn thing. The Islanders made their play a couple of weeks ago. And since then they've won six of 12 since uh, Horvat arrived. So, you know, everything seems to be coming together for them. The only thing that works against them is a, a tough schedule. And really, they've got the toughest schedule of all the teams that, that are in and around them. Yeah. But just just can't afford to have this happen. I, I can't get past it yet. I, I, yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that wants to turn the page and chalk it up to you know, inexperienced youth, whatever. But I just think at this stage, at this time of the year, with what's going on, with what you've done in the past two weeks or so, I just, sorry, it can't happen. Inexcusable, unacceptable, cannot happen. And if you really think you're going to make the playoffs, you now have to, to, in my opinion, you now have to win at least one, if not two games down the stretch against some of those big, better teams that that before you could have got away with losing. Yeah. Uh, The room for error was already super small and losing these types of games makes it even smaller. Uh, somebody referenced Greg the uh, what Tampa Bay did on the weekend, right? They uh-huh. uh, they lose uh, five or six nothing to Carolina, and they lost to Buffalo on Saturday. But those are you know those are stinkers and everything. But those are two very good teams they were playing against, who uh, you know are, are emerging in the league as as very good teams. Chicago is going in the other direction, which is which, to me that's a pretty big difference. Taylor tweeted sort of a more negative angle. Stupid mistakes they've been making since the coach was hired almost four years ago. It's a coaching issue. DJ has had four years to fix this crap and hasn't. I mean, the coach has the ability to sit guys down who look absolutely lost, like Shabbat did, instead of playing the more minutes than anyone else, would also send a message to the rest of the players to get their crap together. And yes, actually, when players continue to make uh, those same mistakes, almost like this is a, it's a long tweet, 
It's over two tweets. Almost like there's a deeper problem than roster construction with this team. Feels like the coach isn't cut out for this job. Inexcusable that he doesn't ever hold Shabbat accountable for his terrible defensive play. So there's uh, one from the positive side and one from the negative side on Twitter. And Thomas Shabbat continues to take some. Just seemed like a on a nightly basis, there's one, at least one, absolutely calamitous moment and and to me there's almost always half a dozen moments in any game where i go where the hell is that guy going yeah he has his tough nights we'll give him that i just yeah i mean it wasn't just him and to single him out as one and only name that somebody's gonna put out in a tweet is is probably unfair you know they didn't exactly look good um Sanderson leaving his feet on the one goal didn't work out too well. They got crossed up, and Hamannick went to take the other guy, which was the right play, but he never really got to the guy, and then Sanderson couldn't prevent the pass. That didn't look good. The Brinkett's turnover just inside the zone on, on one of the other goals was not good. I mean, there were other players, yeah, almost all of them to a man, who did not look good uh, Monday night in Chicago. Agreed. Yeah. Again, chuck it away, flush it, whatever you need to do. Uh, let's get on to something more positive, though, because since we last got together here on the podcast, there was a five-game win streak in there, and there was a lot of good things, including Jacob Chikrin's home debut, which went very, very well. We'll get into that, and the Sens' ownership as well, coming up after these words. Jim K. Ford has been serving Ottawa since 1982, one of the longest-running dealerships in the entire city. They've always been family-owned and operated, and their amazing team of professionals, from sales to service, is constantly training and improving to provide you with the best possible customer experience. And, of course, they're always ready to say yes. Check out JimKFord.com or visit them at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! If you like your sports with a little whatever, check out the SWP podcast with myself and Jim Jerome. I've got the sports. Jim has the whatever, if he remembers to show up at all for the show. Never a dull moment. Just search for the SWP or the Steve Warren Project in the app you're listening to right now. And every hockey fan loves when Canada competes for gold. At the 2023 World Gin Awards in England, Ottawa's Dunrobin Distilleries won gold for Canada's best flavored gin. Their Earl Grey gin is now advanced to represent Canada, competing for the title of best in the world. Dunrobin's international win streak continues. Pick up some Dunrobin craft spirits today at various LCBO locations or through their website at dunrobindistilleries.com. We're a little deeper voice today. We're doing this one very early in the morning after <laughs> the uh, the loss in Chicago. And uh, yeah, so it was a late night, early morning scenario. I'm also a little dehydrated from the weekend. Had a bunch of buddies that I went to South Carlton High School with, came from all over Ontario and America, got together, and uh, yeah, as it does with old hockey buddies, the beer was a-flowing. We were trying to talk over top of the music at various nightclubs, and um, yeah, so it's a Tuesday morning. Nightclubs, bars, pubs, you name it. You're over 50. You weren't going to nightclubs, were you? Well, okay, well, I don't know. They were... (laughs) I don't know how you define them, but we are at various bars. How about that? <laughs> One of them I would say I would probably define as a nightclub, but um, yeah, well, wow. let's, not even, let's not even go down that road. Yes. Like uh, a dance bar? God, no. I think it might have been in my wedding vows. I'm done dancing. I'm done dancing. That's it for the rest of my no, life. No, no. There's one more dance left at our daughter's wedding. Then I'm done. Fair enough. 
Fair I, enough. I, I danced with my daughter at her wedding. You have to do the same thing. That That's your last dance, I think. <laughs> All right. Fine. Fine. If, unless she doesn't want to. I'm okay uh, tapping out. No, but, uh, it's in the rules. <laughs> it's the daddy-daughter dance, buddy. You got to do it. I don't think you understand the uh, heights of my hatred of dancing. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, right. let's uh, jump in. Uh, go back to Saturday night. There's been some good things that have occurred here since we last got together. And uh, 5-2 win over Columbus. And that was a little more of how you'd expected the Senators would react against a team low in the standings as Columbus is, as Chicago is. But uh, they took care of business with a 5-2 victory. And, I mean, what a special night for Jacob Chikrin across the board. You know, his granddad's there. He gets a goal and an assist. He's a plus three. And the fans go absolutely bonkers. It's pretty clear right away, Greg. There's a pretty dandy love affair already happening between Chikrin and the city of Ottawa. Well, yeah, and a lot of the media was playing at our heartstrings, talking about the playing up the family and the quotes from Jacob about his sister being here and his grandpa being here and his his summers in White Lake and. You know, he's a, he's a local boy. You want to make sure we get that message out there and yeah. family and friends. And and I like the one comment, now dad can get a get a two-for-one when he wants to visit his kids. And if Jeff wants to visit his kids, he can do them both in one city. How easy. I think, I think Jeff's doing okay. They don't need to have any pity parties. He doesn't need any extra cash to go visit his children. But, uh, no, I think it's great. You know, there's the, sisters, the sister grew up in the States, never even wasn't really born here. Uh, didn't really live here, but she came back to Ottawa somehow or other and ended up working for the federal government. I think she lives in the Pian now. So okay. that's kind of cool. And and Grandpa with his Timmy's. Timmy's Timmy's was loving that. There was lots of tweets from, from Tim Hortons about that. So it's yeah, you know, it was cool. So it's a really nice story. And then the kid goes out, he gets an assist. The goal was absolutely gorgeous. What a shot to score a goal in his in his home debut is pretty cool. You mentioned Tim Hortons. Isn't it amazing that they're not all over Tim Stutzla by now with a big old endorsement package? Uh, that's got to be coming. Maybe he doesn't drink coffee. Well, maybe he doesn't drink coffee. Who cares? You know, <laughs> Tim, Tim, here, here's Tim here for Tim's. Yeah, hot chocolate, whatever it is. Donuts, I don't care, but uh seems like a natural to have Timmy uh, handling the uh, Tim Hortons endorsements. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was great right out of the gate. Um, uh, everything was, you know, first shift. Fans are going insane. Then, you know, he sets up Tim Stutzler for his 30th goal of the year. And then the place absolutely goes bananas when he rips home his first goal. What a shot. Laser-like deal from the right face-off dot. But I think my favorite moment all in all, Greg, was the uh, was late in the game. I'm not even sure if it showed on TV, but it was during a stoppage in play. And the in-house camera is focused on Chikrin sitting on the end of the Sens bench. I think it was Travis Hammond who kind of, you know, you see his elbow pad come into the frame. He's on the jumbotron now, and Hamannick elbows him to let him know he's on the big screen. And the fans start clapping. Chikrin looks up and smiles at the camera, and uh, and then the cheers get louder. And finally, he starts, you know, pumping his arm up and down, like encouraging the big ovation, and uh, then starts applauding. And it was a kind of a neat moment and an opportunity for the fans to, you know, very personally welcome him directly like that. I thought that was a pretty cool moment. It certainly was. And, and, and Hamannick admitted that he gave him a little shove and then moved out of the way. And Chickren yeah. even said he was, he thought about it. That's really not like me doing the, doing the come on for the arms up and down to increase the cheering. He said, that's not like him. He was just caught up in the moment. But for a guy who's used to playing games in front of 5,000 fans in Arizona, even when Arizona was in a big rink, I don't know that they had much more than 5,000 
he says tongue in cheek. But yeah. he, he even made the comment. Uh, he, they interviewed him during the warm up on the pregame show, and he said, "Yeah, there's more people in here watching the warm up than there would be for a for a regular season game in Arizona, and for the fans too." This is a fan group that hasn't had a lot to cheer about for a long time. And uh, it, not just because they weren't good, but because they, the, the fans couldn't even go to games. You know, and even before the pandemic, attendance was down. The team wasn't good. There wasn't a lot of good uh, things to cheer about and things to be happy about for a long time. You went through the pandemic with nobody in the building, and then you came back with half a crowd, and, and then you came back with full crowds, and they couldn't sell out, and they were still terrible, and... You know, it's it's kind of cool. It's been that way all year. It's been building and building and building all year. Like you and I have talked about, we love the post-game interview. It's like they do the Blue Jay type thing now, uh, the from the bench with the first star after a win. And I'm sure it, it's written in the rule somewhere that every single player in that post-game interview from the bench has to acknowledge the crowd. And the, the players have done a great job of it, and the fans feel good, and there's a there's a mutual admiration going on there. And the, the players appreciate it. The fans appreciate the efforts they've been getting. So I wonder if it wasn't a bit of a red flag that uh, Columbus kind of climbed back into that game. They got it to 4-2. And uh, and they hung around a little bit in that game, and maybe that was a harbinger of what was to come in Chicago. That uh, you got a team like Columbus, and uh, you know it's late in the third period, and Columbus hasn't exactly been put to sleep here. They they buzzed around for a little bit, but uh, anyway, it was a great night all in all. Don't get me wrong, but maybe in the context of the play on the ice as the game wore on, maybe we could uh, potentially see what was to come in Chicago. Yeah, I guess they 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 say uh when you when you're on a losing streak, if you look back, there was probably a couple of games before the losing streak started that you won but you should have lost. Right. I don't know that you can necessarily apply that here, but to a certain extent that third period wasn't uh, the way that they had manhandled Detroit earlier. Like they didn't exactly or even the Ranger game, the third period in the Ranger game was phenomenal. You know, the third period against Columbus was not very good, whether they were then starting to turn the page and look ahead and, okay, we've dusted off the 32nd place team. Next up is the 31st place team, and they put it in cruise control. But, uh, yeah, you're right. The third period was not good. 1,000 games for Derek Brassard, and uh, it was an opportunity for the home side to honor him. Pierre Dorian comes out with the silver stick. Broussard is uh, an opportunity to pose with the team, nice team picture, and then the Sens go out and get the W after the game. Broussard gives uh, Chikrin the player of the game award, the goggles and stuff. And so all in all, a great night. And uh, you know, you think that Broussard continues on beyond this year? Do you think he's got a little more left in him? Well, I think he's earned an opportunity to have the discussion, you know, whether it's here or somewhere else. I think his career continues uh, if he wants to. I mean, he's got a part ownership with the Gatineau Olympique and he's uh he's heavily involved in in day-to-day uh communications and staying on top of things there so maybe he's ready to sail off but I if he wants to play uh, I I think there's a spot for him here we've talked about this before um I think his age plays into it in two ways one he's old and slow or could be conceived perceived as old and slow but two he's old and wise Right, he's a he's a uh, wily veteran. He brings some class. He brings some leadership. Uh, he brings a lot of things that uh, that other things beyond that that you and I don't even know about what goes on in that room. 
the way Timmy Stutzler reacted and stood up and hugged him and kissed him after the after they presented him with his uh, watch in the dressing room tells me that there's probably some sort of a mentorship arrangement going on there. So I think that if if he wants to be here, there's probably a spot for him in the third line or fourth line. Sorry, it won't cost a fortune to keep him, and I, I could see him being here next year. What do you what are you thinking? Uh, if I had to guess right now, I think that, uh, you know, last season he had to be on a professional tryout arrangement. Now, that may have been because he really wanted to come back to Ottawa uh, with ties to this uh, area, part owner of the Gatineau mm-hmm. Olympic. But, uh, you know, I, I, fe- I feel like, yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was Ottawa or bust. And if that continues to be the case for the coming year, and, and why wouldn't it be if it was last year, I have a feeling that... Uh, the Sens might go in a different direction. So I feel I feel like if if he returns, it'll be with the Sens. And uh, if the Sens aren't keen, then I think he'll call it a career. Just my guess yeah. at this stage. Um, yeah. I mean, coming here, like like you've got, okay, Ridley Gregg's going to be there for a spot. Gambrell is is here or not here. Watson, uh, uh, who am I Kastelik. missing there? Parker Kelly, Kastelik. There's there's probably five, six guys who are down there in that spot looking at the fourth line. Because let's not forget, Josh Norris is back. That drops Pinto. So right. really, it's fourth line or nothing for all of the names I just rhymed off. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's an, it's an in-house decision, and we'll see where they go with it. All right. As we prepare to wind things up, we'll talk ownership here in a second. But uh, just looking at where the Sens stand after the uh, win over Columbus and the horrible loss to Chicago, the Sens will almost certainly lose ground in the playoffs tonight. Right now, they missed last night with that Chicago loss, a chance to move to within a point of a wild card spot. So they stand three points back and they're going to lose more ground tonight because Pittsburgh probably beats Columbus tonight and Buffalo is taking on the Islanders. So one of the one of those teams for sure will move up on the Sens or move uh, farther away from the Sens or maybe both if you get a three point game. So that's how things look in uh, at the bottom of the Eastern standings. And yeah, I mean you think about those three points against Chicago. Oh. Boy, those those are ones they should have locked down. I mean, I guess you could look over the whole course of the season and see some wins and some points that they didn't deserve that they got, but. It, I mean, they, these Chicago things happened so recently. They they lose that one last night, and it was less than three weeks ago they lose to Chicago in that uh, collapse late in the game and lose in overtime. Yeah, you got to have those just, points. You just do. Just as you're saying that, <laughs> excuse me, I'm thinking they beat Boston twice, right? Like there's there's four points you probably weren't counting on, right? So who knows? Uh, but it's that stupid loser point. That's yeah. going to kill you. Like uh, like you just mentioned, if Buffalo and the Islanders go to overtime and both teams end up getting points, it just it kills you. Like, that's the thing. You can look at the Senators' schedule and say, okay, they got to do this, do that, win this, do that, but they don't control their own destiny. Yeah. And the fact that there's going to be three-point games out there yeah, really could hurt them. Yeah, and that's what makes that 5 nothing loss to Chicago so uniquely putrid. You know, it's one again. You're not going to win. You're not going to win out to get to the playoffs, but against a team like Chicago, we should at least be talking about a close loss, or and maybe a loss where you pulled a point out of overtime, like they did three weeks ago. So, uh, closing it out, a quick word on the ownership front. And uh, March sixth was circled as a day where the bids start to come in. So the process has begun, and. Uh, I, I, I continue to think about the Ryan Reynolds bid, Greg, and I, and I feel like without being on the inside, 
that's got to be the heavy favorite. I think because a lot of people wonder, okay, why would Ryan Reynolds align himself with the Remington group? And I feel like probably what happens is in aligning themselves together, Reynolds probably got a sweetheart deal in the partnership. And then, and, and then on top of that, Reynolds probably only aligns himself with a, ch- a team that absolutely has a fantastic chance to win. And then I factor in, if I'm the NHL, Gary Bettman, all the owners, like I really want Ryan Reynolds to be involved. So for all those reasons, I think I think Remington's going to win. I, th- I have I have them as a heavy, heavy favorite at this stage of the game because I really think the NHL wants Ryan Reynolds involved as much as he wants to be in on the Sens. Yeah, my only concern is the real estate. These these people are real estate people. They're they're builders. They're not sports team owners. They are builders. Uh, and we we know in the past they pulled out in Phoenix for Arizona when they didn't like uh, the land around it and couldn't build and didn't want to be involved. So if they're going to be involved here, I'm now wondering whether that means the rink is going somewhere else so they can build somewhere else around it. We'll, we'll, only time will tell. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, they got some other guys obviously involved. Jeff York with the Farm Boy Group is uh, up there bidding away. Uh, Michael Andlauer, who's part owner of the Montreal Canadiens, and you got a couple of Toronto billionaires in Jeffrey and Michael Keimel, who used to be part owners of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So some interesting names there. And uh, and really, the Ryan Reynolds thing would be cool from the perspective of the branding that if they replicate the Welcome to Wrexham documentary and they do that for the Senators, um, I mean, just as a Sens fan, it would be extremely interesting to watch the evolution of a of a rink coming together and a maybe a contender on the ice coming together. That would be amazing, but that would be a, an extra nicety. Mostly, I just want an owner with deep pockets who hires the right people, does the right things, and and and, and keeps the team in Ottawa and pays all the bills. and And that's all I'm hoping for at the end of the day. If if Ryan Ren- Ryan Reynolds is part of that. Uh, great, but it's that other part, you know, stability, deep pockets, doing the right thing, because that's been something that's been missing here for the last 20 years. And you have to wonder, Steve, it, it, I know the uh, uh, Gladioto, Gladioto, yep. I think that's, that's how it. you say it. Nice. Uh, now, I know they're the ones that are taking these bids and, and processing this. I just, I can't help wondering how much weight you put on the various factors here. You just rhymed off a bunch of things. Only one of them involves having a lot of money being the high bidder. Like, does it go to a lower bidder because he wants to hit off on, you know, he checks off some other boxes. How much of that stuff gets considered here? Is it simply the highest bidder or is it the best package of everything you just rhymed off? Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. I don't know that we're ever going to find out what the dollar amounts offered were. But I wonder if that's part of it. And we're hearing Bill Daly keeps saying $800 million. Bruce Garriott keeps saying could go as high as a billion. Wow. <laughs> if you just walk right in right now and you're nobody and you have no plans or anything, you just say, okay, I'll give you a billion. Do you get the team? Like, do you win? Yeah. <laughs> or does somebody who says, I'll give you $800 million, but I've got Ryan Reynolds and I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Does he win? It, it, I don't know. A lot of questions for sure. And I think about the Ryan Reynolds effect as this evolving story continues. I mean, obviously fans get a kick out of the idea of Ryan Reynolds and what the branding could mean. The NHL certainly loves the idea. But I wonder if Ryan Reynolds really matters to the people mattering most, and that's the sellers. 
Anna and Olivia Melnick and that three-person board. Um, ultimately, the Melnick family, I mean, as long as everything, as long as all the boxes are checked, what, what does Ryan Reynolds mean to them? They're walking away from the franchise at this stage of the game. Does the Ryan Reynolds effect really matter to them? Or do they just want the most amount of money with the nicety of an assurance that the team stays in Ottawa? So, Because that's what I'd be looking at. If I'm selling the team and I'm walking away from it, obviously I'll be a fan to some degree and you know, it'll be cool and everything. But I mean, if somebody else is willing to offer you know, $100 million more, guess where I'm going as the seller? It won't matter if Ryan Reynolds is keen. It won't matter if the NHL wants Ryan Reynolds. I mean, the league's got a, a say in things, but you know, as long as all the boxes are checked, I'm going highest bidder if I'm the Melnicks. How about you? Yeah, I would think so. But then the other side of me says, is there really that much? I mean, okay, this may come out wrong, but 800 million or a billion, like really, you're never going to spend it all, girls. Does does it really make that much of a difference? I'm just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, but actually, while you brought up the two Melnick daughters, I was surprised that they weren't on the ice for the Broussard uh, ceremony. Oh, I thought yeah. they might have come out for that. I thought they might have been there. It was cool to have the picture, but I, I thought they would have been there. So I, who knows? Maybe they are just give me give me the most money and we're out of here. We're after we're off to the Bahamas or whatever. But the one daughter wants to be involved, right? She wants to be working with the club in some way, form, shape, or form. I believe. So uh, who knows? I, I just I want an answer to that one question: Is it just the high bidder? And I I don't know where to get that answer from. Yeah, is it blind? Or is it a case True, of I point. can go? Can I go back to you and say, well, you know, Greg over here, he, he's offered uh, an extra fifty million. Do you want to match that or, or beat that? And then I take that number and go back to the other guy. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But uh, yeah, hopefully they get a great owner in there who's uh, who's stable and and does the right things. That's all I ask. Deep pocketed owner who does the right things. With that, we'll take our leave today. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget our website is right there for you, sensnationhockey.com. I'll let Big Voice tell you all about that here in a moment. Greg, enjoy your day today, and we'll talk to you on, I believe, on, (laughs) let's see here. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Okay, that works. We'll talk then. Have a good week, buddy. (laughs) You too. Thanks for being with us on the Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share this show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.